Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Theory Query. My name is Ryan. And I'm Ethan. And we are so excited to announce that as of yesterday, we have 100 downloads on iTunes and a whole bunch more streams on iTunes and Spotify. So thank you to everybody who has Yay. been listening and downloading. We love the shit out of you. You don't even a know huge it. shout out to the people who have downloaded it twice. We appreciate the work that you do. I think I may have downloaded it about seven times, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, thanks. Thanks a million. Your support means the world to me. And um, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That's that's going to be a huge for helping us get into the hands of many, many listeners. And uh, we can teach the world about all of these hilarious conspiracies while being catty bitches who love spilling tea. Mm-hmm. I'm actually drinking tea this episode, which seems so appropriate, as opposed to wine or beer, which I'm Fancy. usually <laughs> I'm usually slogging. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready to spill this tea all over the place. <laughs> That's the ASR, ASMR Fabulous. segment of the show. So how was your therapeutic? You know, I could use a little bit of a little bit of therapy this week. Let's talk about it. Ask me how my week was. <laughs> Just Ryan, ask me how my week was. How was your week, Ethan? It was stupid. Don't ask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tell me, Ethan. <laughs> no, I'm mad at the internet today. Mostly, I'm mad at things like Tinder and other forms of online dating apps that I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with. Mm-hmm. I went out to a show this week with a couple of good friends hoping to have a good time. Well, and wait, you were hoping to have a, what kind of show? <laughs> what kind of show were you? It was just like, just like live music, okay. like some band that I've never heard of at some bar that I like to go hang out at. Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, let's just go, you know, relax, have a good time, hang out with a little group of pals. And, uh, so I met a friend's uh, new beau, and he was super nice. But of course, like they paired off, did their own thing. Um, so I'm with like my other couple of friends, and uh, within like 15 minutes, um, other dates had been lined up, <laughs> and I was left. Oh God! Oh my God! I, well, I did you see that I posted on our Instagram account that like hilarious image of Anthony from <laughs> Queer Eye went out with Pete Davidson and whoever whoever that BZ is. And there's this picture <laughs> that's been going around on the internet where they're like sitting at uh I presume a basketball game. I'm not the one to be telling this story. Um they're sitting at a game and Pete Davidson is just like making out with this girl and Anthony is sitting next to them just like looking <laughs> ahead looking oh, sad third wheel reaction just like oh oh my god uh and it was just it was so it was so impactful for me because I was like <laughs> wow literally every time I went out with anyone growing up yeah uh so <laughs> yeah heteroland oh, was unkind so they're on my list. My question is, did they did they like plot this together? Was one of them like, 
I'm going to invite my Tinder date to the show. And the other one was like, oh, I'm going to do that too. Like, why weren't you clued into this <laughs> at all? I, I don't know. Maybe it was just like my own like purposeful blindness to the entire thing. But because, I mean, they were on like Tinder or Bumble or whatever, like for most of the evening. Um, so it's, I can't say that I was entirely surprised that it happened. I was just really annoyed that it did. Yeah. Well, then, then we're, what the fuck are you supposed to do? <laughs> like, you don't even. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. I would, I would have left. <laughs> like, I have, I had no desire to line up my own date. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was. Done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I had a pretty wild weekend myself. I partied like I was 19 all weekend. And turns out when you're knocking at the door of 30, um, you don't bounce back as fast. Oh, I, I like, I would need to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely, um, looking up IV clinics around Philadelphia to be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what are my options here? Cause I feel like fucking garbage. And I also didn't yeah, know that was like, I look like Jessica Lang <laughs> at the end of, <laughs> at the end of coven slowly decaying. Yep. In my wingback chair. That was me. Cursing everyone. 100%. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Did you know that was a thing? There's like IV clinics that you can go to specifically just to get a saline drip for a hangover. Yeah. Remember that town that we like went to college in together? No. <laughs> There's like a couple of them that opened up. Oh, already. My I was like, what? God. Are you serious? But uh, so it's like a 50. So it's like a 15 minute session or maybe it's longer than 15 minutes. There's like a menu that they have. It's super annoying. Yeah, I saw um, that. But it's like two hundred, like two hundred bucks to go sit down for like a half hour and have someone stick a bag of saline in you. Yeah, that's that's fucking stupid. Drink a fucking Gatorade, like, <laughs> and take a nap. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Pedialyte and a Little Caesars oh, hot Pedialyte and ready. is the truth. When I <laughs> uh, when I was in the Peace Corps. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but, um, (laughs) there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of a common thread of Peace Corps volunteers drinking a lot. Um, because, okay. You know, you get, you get sad and you get lonely. Yeah. You got the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, bringing peace to all corners of the, of the world and American, it's not easy work and American values is, uh, (laughs) it's tough. Um, yeah. It makes you thirsty. Yeah, and alcohol is tends to be very, very cheap in developing countries. So it's kind of a recipe for um, alcoholism, if you will. And they, when you leave your Peace Corps training, they send you out with these. They're called oral rehydration salts, and it's like a medical grade um, package of basically salt with some other stuff like sugar and stuff that you mix mm-hmm. into water, and it's supposed to be used when you're having like severe vomiting and diarrhea but we would you know like use the whole supply that we got within a couple of months for those days when you really like just can't even bring yourself to get out of bed after a night of binge drinking in your uh, country of service (laughs) (laughs) dear diary i prayed for death today Uh, yeah right and like i actually 
figured out i found a recipe for how to make it at home <laughs> um not <laughs> not gonna lie this morning was one of those days where i um felt that it was necessary to whip up <laughs> a little concoction of oral rehydration salt Batch. medical grade it's basically like <laughs> a shit ton of sugar and then uh like relatively large amount of salt tablespoon of salt and like four cups of sugar not no that's not right sorry six tablespoons it's like six tablespoons all my teeth fell out six tablespoons of sugar and a teaspoon of salt in like a large glass of water so it tastes like jizz but it (laughs) but it uh it saves the day every time (laughs) so anyway that was my weekend Great. I'm happy, happy to be alive. Happy to be here with all y'all. <laughs> yes. And I'll probably do it again next weekend. Who am I fucking kidding? So we are going to start this week a new segment on Theory Query called a teabag or the teabag. The teabag. And these are going to be quick, quick little conspiracy theories that we talk about just for fun because they either aren't there isn't enough material to talk about it for an hour we don't want to bore the fuck out of everybody and or um they don't deserve our time (laughs) and energy (laughs) because they're so fucking batshit so yeah i it won't happen every episode but um i felt inclined to bring this one up today um and this is the theory the conspiracy theory uh, circling around, circling around, revolving around Avril Lavigne. My heart, my mind, and my mouth is open. Continue. <laughs> I almost said something like, why you got to make it so complicated? But uh, fuck, I just said it. I'm ashamed. Um, oh. So it is quote unquote popularly believed. I don't know about that. But I do know that it's well known to like many people our age, especially that Avril Lavigne, bless her Canadian heart, actually took her own life in 2003, shortly after her parents' divorce, and was replaced by a doppelganger who left, who (laughs) I'm reading from an article who left several clues about the death of the original Avril in the lyrics of her first album as new Avril. (laughs) Have you ever heard about this? No. What? (laughs) Uh Um, Her name, supposedly her name is Melissa. Don't know who came up with that or why, but it's that's, that's what it says. And, Rather than announce her death, the record label decided in order to continue making millions of dollars off of her image and future projects that they they called upon this Melissa uh, to play the part of Avril full time. So apparently the the album Under My Skin, which is not as good as the first one, um i'm this is another aside i think complicated was her only hit song i want to say uh are you fucking kidding me skater boy oh god okay sorry jesus christ i guess i'm not as gay as you are canceled bitch you don't know skater boy (laughs) 
<laughs> or should I say, see you later, boy. See what I did there. Uh, okay, I'm gonna sign off now. That was <laughs> that was on. too too many. Okay, carrying on. Um, people have said that there was just a massive change right before, or right after the divorce of her parents, and before that next album. And they said they say that there's her arm her arm freckle patterns are different. Her handwriting changed. The shape of her eye is different. You can go on YouTube and just YouTube like Avril Lavigne um, replacement or Avril Lavigne conspiracy. And there's all these videos where they do side by sides of her <laughs> with different photos. Not that Photoshop is a thing and that you could ever like yeah. you know, claim to find a difference with something you replicated yourself. However, the shape of her eyes um, down to her choice of words and punctuation on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, people people are convinced. And I, yeah, just that people are paying attention to uh, freckle right. patterns. And they... It's alarming. <laughs> the other argument they made was that her personal style changed very abruptly. And it's like, do you know any musicians? Like, <laughs> especially pop stars... Come on. Fucking come on. Because um, yeah. she went from like, you know, exactly. punky, emo, you know, I wear ties as belts, BZ, to like this bubblegum yeah. pop kind of, you know, it was, it was, it was very different. Um, remember the song Girlfriend? It sounds like an anthem from Jock Jams. Like, oh. Okay. If I remember correctly, it has like the like whistle in there and stuff. Like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it should have been on high school musical. That's not to say I didn't love the shit <laughs> out of it and that I don't know every single <laughs> song. Or fuck, what is wrong with me? I'm hungover. Sorry everybody. Um <laughs> That's not to say I didn't love the shit of it. Fuck. I didn't love the shit out of it and know every single word to the song cuz I do. Um but this is this is what happened. <laughs> Um, so she actually didn't say anything about this conspiracy theory and it was pretty widely spread for a good amount of time. And finally, um, she addressed it in an interview with teen Vogue in 2018. And her response was quote, yeah, some people think that I'm not the real me, which is so weird. Like, why would they even think that? That's a cutting yeah. response. Yeah. So the case is closed on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, done. I thought that was a funny one. Um, the evidence is, you know, it's really piling up. But I encourage our listeners to go and like do some digging because it's pretty hilarious. So speaking of musicians and conspiracies, is that the end of the tea bag? Yeah, the tea, the I... tea bag <laughs> has has come to a close, sadly for everyone involved. Kind of, we can pull we can pull that hair out of our mouth now. Yes. Okay. So along the same vein of musicians, and actually kind of around the same time, mid to late aughts, the 2000s, um, there was an American progressive rock band who I don't know if any of you are familiar with, the Mars Volta. Uh, Ryan, did you ever listen to... Um, at all. I thought that I had more than I actually did because I went on to kind of 
I don't know, get get a little bit of a foundation before we recorded this episode. And I know the the most popular song. Huh? Um, what the fuck is it called? Inertiatic ESP. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And I, I did listen to that one back in my dark days, <laughs> like freshman year, <laughs> freshman year in high school <laughs> when I had like a good solid eight months of like pretty heavy music before I made my gradual transition to like teeny bop, gay synth pop dance music. Exactly. When you needed to just kill your feelings with angry yeah. noise. Precisely. Totally. So I... Definitely listened to the Mars Volta at a very similar time in life. And just because I hung out with um, a group of friends who was kind of into kind of like the art rock, proggy kind of scene. Um, so, I mean, they they weren't my favorite, but I definitely listened to them. But it wasn't until years later that I found out about uh, one of their studio albums, The Bedlam in Goliath, and this crazy backstory it has. So uh, Bedlam in Goliath was a studio album that they recorded from about 2006 to 2007, kind of right as they were ending a tour. I think they were either still touring when they started doing work on this, um, like as far as writing it, and then started recording after they wrapped up a tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, an excellent band, or at least I think they're great. Mm, okay. Um, so the, <laughs> you're entitled to that. Yeah. Uh, suck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck you. Go on. So the album was released in its entirety at the end of January in 2008. Um, and it was, uh, um, inspired by evil spirits. Yes. Yes, I fucking live for this shit. So I, sorry, I'm just going to like interject, (laughs) but I just watched The Haunting of Hill House the entire season in less than 48 hours. Have you seen it? No, I have not. It's so fucking good. I'm going out on a limb here and saying that it's like one of the best horror things that I've ever seen and probably definitely the best like TV series. So I am like fully spooked. I'm in the mood. I like it. I want more. Okay, perfect. So the uh, lead guitarist and the songwriter um, of Mars Volta, Omar Rodriguez Lopez um, was uh, in Jerusalem um, like traveling to Jerusalem for, I don't even, I don't even know the reason why he was there, but he was uh, swinging through these like little curio shops and an like older section of Jerusalem. And he bought um, what looked like a Ouija board or this little like game board. Mm-hmm. And so he got that as a gift for his bandmate, um, Cedric Bixler Zavada, who uh, was, he's the guy that does vocals and also is a lyricist and writer for uh, the Mars Volta. So he gives it to him. That's like this. It's like a Ouija board, but it's like an ancient Ouija board. So it doesn't look the exact same. Um, so anyway, they started basically Pixlr just started using it um, after shows that they were playing when they were on tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
just as kind of like a fun way to kill time since there was a lot of time to kill when they were traveling and between shows. So, so they just like, you said it was like an ancient Ouija board. Like, was it, and I don't know if, I don't know if like, you know, if this research exists even, but was it like at a Uh target or was it like, like at a, at a random (laughs) market? There was, it was the only one there. Like it probably wasn't for sale. And he just like, (laughs) (laughs) So, no, it was not purchased at Target. It's not like a regular, you know, mass-produced Ouija board. Um, It just says, like, through the searching that I did, it was this Ouija-type talking board that he had found at a curio shop. And when I hear curio shop, I think of, like, you know, going into, like, an antiques market. And there's all sorts of stuff that you have no idea how old it is. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Like, it's like an antique shop. Yeah, but it probably it probably predates the existence of Target. Well, so we're I don't want to hear about that. anything that happened before the existence of Target because those were the dark ages. If you're gay, you have to love Target. It's like <laughs> mandatory. So anyway, they start messing around with this like talking Ouija board, um, like after shows, as they're traveling, that kind of thing, um, just basically as a way to kill time. And they weren't particularly ceremonial about like how they use this. It actually, um, in interviews, they talked about it being a fairly um, like casual kind of thing. Um, in one interview, they would say like, "We would never dim the lights. It wasn't some corny Disney version like people might picture. The lights were on. Um, the messages started coming through, and they kept looking at each other like, "Are you pushing this thing? Am I pushing this thing? Just like." Very much out in the open, not a whole lot of ceremony around it. Um, and this board would basically start to tell them stories and reveal itself, or this character would reveal itself to them. And this is when they first met Goliath, um, which oh, and Goliath. Okay, that's what this is about. <clears throat> So um, the spirit known as Goliath um, was found to be this like schizophrenic version of three spirits who were trying to contact them. There was a uh, adult male spirit, a female spirit, like young female spirit, and then what they believed to be um, the other the young girl spirit's mother. So this little triad. They didn't give a whole lot of details on like what exactly the story was between the three of them. Um, but they said the stories that came out was one of seduction and infidelity and of pain and murder, um, like an honor killing. So you can, I can only imagine what kind of soap opera was playing out inside of that board. I was just going to say, this is like daytime TV. Totally. I'm sucked in. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the male character in this like schizophrenic Goliath person has a tendency to talk over or communicate more than the two female spirits. It's like this very 
sort of aggressive and abusive um, kind of character that it portrays. So they, wait, so they believe that it was one entity that was speaking to them through the board, but that there were three like under the same blanket? Yes. So this like schizophrenic type, you could almost think of uh, Goliath as like a demon. Mm-hmm. And the demon being in possession of others' souls. Yeah, he had eaten the souls of these three individuals. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's, my that's thought is... Science. Exactly. My thought is like something was going down in this little love triangle. Um, and they were either found out and killed or someone killed somebody else. Crazy stuff. Anyway, so a lot of the music that they started writing at that point was actually influenced by their sessions communicating with Goliath through this board. So um, Pixlr Zavala, who is the main lyricist for them at the time, was going struck with like this terrible creative dry spell. And he said that when he would use this board, like the stuff that would come out of it was 10 times more creative than he could have come up with on his own. So a lot of the stories that they were telling were driven by what Goliath was feeding them rather than what Bixler Zavala was making on his own. That is, that is tantalizing. I actually went online and read through some of the lyrics of some of the songs. Uh And what I, what I first discovered was that there's like 19 tracks on the album and that's like absurd (laughs) (laughs) and they're all like at least four minutes long um (laughs) but i was Mm -hmm. yeah i was reading through them and it was kind of confusing which makes sense if they were just writing down things off of a ouija board but yeah um, exactly it didn't strike me as particularly like unsettling. It just seemed like angry junior high music. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were true to their genre and being, you know, definitely a, an art rock, progressive rock kind of sound. Cool. (laughs) Um, all right, well let's, let's pause there and give everyone an idea or a, an opportunity to come up with their own, <laughs> whatever happens next in this very interesting, very spooky conspiracy theory. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? It's Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to Theory Query. Please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Theory Query. Or you can always email us your feedback or suggestions um, at theoryqueerypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, everyone. So as we were discussing before the break... um, Goliath, this crazy schizophrenic demon, is hanging out with members of the Mars Volta and like helping them write a studio album. Bixler Zavala, their lyricist, is spending increasing amounts of time 
with this board to where he later describes it as almost an obsessive compulsive um, drive to use it or like an addiction where during the downtime, he's like always on this thing. And did he, did he express this, any like concern <laughs> or like, so that was actually a red flag for me, like researching this, like it seemed like it went a long way before someone was like, Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't yeah, be doing um, this. It should have been said probably the first time that it became apparent. Yeah. Cause yeah. it keeps, it keeps going. So Goliath allegedly at some point um, is starting to, he's not, he's moved beyond, or it has moved beyond just telling stories and it's starting to make demands. And one of the final demands that Goliath makes is that he asks to trade places with a band member. He asks for a vessel. What? Oh, terrifying! Absolutely terrifying. At least, I mean, that was nice of him to ask. It's it was very nice of him to ask. Maybe that's <laughs> one of the rules of being trapped in um, an ancient speaking board. Um, that yeah, you have to well, ask I mean, like a, before you're allowed a paranormal, to paranormal. A paranormal expert will say like you have to grant permission to like entities yeah (laughs) consent is important even in the spirit world (laughs) they take it more seriously than anybody (laughs) they do wow all right wow good well that's that's fucking freaky so that's freaky and thank god that the band has enough sense to be like you know what that's a little too much no go on being a vessel for you there goliath buddy so they turn him down and things through they're like record they're working on recording this album and things start to get a little weird for them. So the the more and more that they interacted with this board and as this Goliath thing got more and more demanding <clears throat> and then is asking to get out, um, things started happening um, in their recording and their performances. So Bixler Zavala um, was struck with um, some sort of foot injury that required surgery. Um, And his, basically his recovery was so messed up that he had to learn to walk again. Okay. I was going to say like, Which was wild. Oh, you go demon. Trip me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) So whether or not like he had the foot issue like before Goliath came on scene, that wasn't apparent. Um, but they kind of t- chalked it up to that. Um, and then they had their drummer quit. So they had gone through a couple of drummers in the life of the Mars Volta. But this guy just was like, nope, can't do this anymore. I'm not going to be a part of this. Yeah. He well, packed up. Yeah. That's like, that's on them. (laughs) That's not, that's not part of the demon curse. It's like, because, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, (laughs) it's not the demon cursing the drummer. It's the drummer being like, y'all are in some fucking crazy shit. And I am not going to be a part of this anymore. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I would like to live. Exactly. And then they made him the vessel. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, hey, we talked to Gary and he's totally cool with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So um, so there's the foot injury. Their drummer leaves. And then with all of this turnover and these like equipment failures that keep happening at performances, they are basically like struggling financially to like keep moving on recording this album. So uh, Rodriguez Lopez, the lead guitar and the guy who does a lot of their own producing, um, he had or I guess shared a studio space in New York um, where they worked on a lot of the album and his particular studio within this like larger complex or this larger building kept repeatedly flooding, Mm -hmm. but only the space that he used. Okay. So they have the repeated flooding going on and then they've got basically like any of their like tracks or anything that they've recorded, anything like, you know, electronic media, things start to either go missing or um, are like so damaged by like an unknown cause that they can't use it anymore. Mm -hmm. So this goes on and then one of the engineers who's also working on this project, putting the album together, suffers a nervous breakdown. In which, I mean, you could, I could understand, like, if I'm working with a band who is communicating with the devil, yeah, I might be, you know, nervous. I might think that, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't do that. Yeah, well, also, their all their shit is breaking down and they're, like, running out of money. That makes a person nervous, too. Totally. It's not so like Goliath's the... shaking him. It's like <laughs> he's just really upset. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, he's just, yeah, he's observing, like, the facts. And it's like, uh, I cannot be a part of this, you guys. So they're, um, this engineer, he suffers a nervous breakdown. He basically says, I'm completely done with this project. I don't like what you're doing. Um, the thing that you're creating is meant to drive people crazy. Um, it's going to drive me crazy. Like this is a dangerous thing. You guys need to stop what you're doing. Um, the kicker was he had no knowledge of the board that they were using or that this Goliath character was even a theme throughout the production of the album and through writing these songs. Okay. I mean, was it notably different from their other albums in terms of content? That's a good question. I... I would honestly have to take a closer read to rule that definitively. Okay. I mean, it it um, would hold. It, I mean, it it would hold a lot more water for me if the engineer guy had 
not been working with do you know how long he was working with them because if he like hadn't been until this album and he didn't know like who they were what they how like what their style was and stuff and their lyrics then i mean i too would be like uh this is giving me a headache so this guy had been working this guy had been working with uh omar for basically the duration of of his career so he was well acquainted with um the work that he did in the work that the Mars Volta did from their very okay. inception. Then that, that seems valid. <laughs> and it is interesting that. He yeah. So nothing. that's, so that's, that's exactly. It's striking. It was striking to me that he had that happen. And then to find out that that happened to him, he had that breakdown and was worried about this album that they were creating. And he had no knowledge of, how this was like coming together. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a little spooky. He didn't know that Goliath was with the thing, which, yeah, that kind of spooked me a little bit. So, um, so he suffers his nervous breakdown and he's like, you know what? Nope. I'm done. I got to get out of here. Can't do this. Um, so this is almost the like final nail in the coffin for the album. This was, um, what the band described as the album that did not want to be born. They finally, they pressed through. So they basically took a lot of the material that they had written that was um, inspired by or provided by Goliath. And they wove in um, this uh, Saintaria. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But it's um, like an African religious tradition um, that kind of dovetails with like Roman Catholicism. There's a focus on like mm-hmm. saints and other things, things that I will do no justice to on our show. Um, so they wove certain like stories and traditions in with what Goliath had provided to act as like a good luck charm to sort of like balance out mm-hmm. the the evil that they had brought into this album with some good. Okay, so you're at a net zero at this point. In exactly. terms of like spiritual realm upsettings. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's wise. So finally, um, like the album's coming together, they're getting ready to, you know, finish everything up. And <laughs> finally, no one thought to do this earlier. Um, Pixler takes the board and he's like, this, we, this is putting a curse on us. Um, this is going to not ruin not only the band, but it's going to you know ruin our individual lives if we keep messing with this. So he goes, he breaks the board into several pieces and buries it in an undisclosed location and basically says to his bandmates, we cannot talk about this ever again. But they must have because we're talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about it right now. And I mean, they made an album about it, so... Hmm. So yeah, that was the totally the Jumanji board. That's interesting. I mean, I I I buy it just because I'm kind of a sucker for supernatural, paranormal shit, and I think that there is a lot of validity and like things that you shouldn't mess with, and blah blah blah. When I was uh-huh. in junior high and early high school, 
I played with a Ouija board several times and we, I mean, it was kind of like Disney movie seance style, mm-hmm. but me and my, me and my friend, we like lit the candles and drew the curtains and it was like nighttime and we, we researched the shit out of it, um, to how, like how to use it safely, but we still were like trying, hoping for shit to happen. Right. And there were some really, really strange things that happened. Um, like we, we talked to several different spirits on the board and, you know, they like made predictions that came to be, they, at one point, you know, like the story that I always tell is like, I got kicked off of the board because sometimes it won't be working. You're supposed to ask, like, do you want someone to leave? And I got kicked <laughs> off the board, which doesn't make you feel very good. Um, truth or dare, I dare you to leave. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's like, yeah. thanks, Dick. All right. Don't haunt me. <laughs> and I got kicked off the board, and um, I was like, ask it which movie I watched last night. And I was the only one who knew the answer to that question, and it spelled it out, like, letter for letter. Um, so I didn't, like, I didn't tell my friends <laughs> what movie I watched the night before. It, and so, like, that's that's one small example of many things like that that happened where we kind of like tested their knowledge and tested the validity of things and i fucking buy it and i think it's wise to not you know yeah engage too much in those kinds of things thankfully no like weird shit happened but we did like i don't know i'm i'm convinced that there's a a ghost in the house i grew up in and um everyone aside from my parents who are like unwilling to even consider the fact uh, everyone that has stayed in my house oh, wow. has said they've had some sort of encounter with her. Hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's a, I mean, something to this could be one of the, um, I don't know if it was a, I can't remember if it was a band member or just someone who was involved with the production of this album. Um, he, spun it as he wasn't sure that it was necessarily a curse, but I guess I, I don't know if he like read quantum physics textbooks in his spare time, if he was like a total nerd. Um, but he said that sometimes uh, like two completely unrelated and separate objects can act on each other in some sort of quantum sense. I don't know. So there must, there Sounds like there's some mathematical explanation for it, but I didn't care to suss that out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you can talk about interdimensionality and like, um, I've heard theories that it's like the spirit is controlling your, like coming through one of the people on the board and like moving it for them, not that they're moving the object ex- itself mm-hmm. or you know, I don't know. There's lots of different ways that people have come up with that it works. Yeah. But I think that the evidence is out there that it's like a pretty legitimate thing from my perspective, point of view. And <laughs> like a lot of people are like, oh, it's just your subconscious or whatever, but who's not to say that it's not like your subconscious accessing some sort of information that you can't perceive with your like mm-hmm. frontal lobe, you know? Yep. I just, yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. 
I think that there's so much that we don't understand that it would be silly to just say that like ghosts don't exist, you know? Is that what you're about to say? So <laughs> ghosts don't exist. Um <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. No. <laughs> I have skeletons in my closet, but no ghosts. What do you think about it? So, I don't know. It. I mean, it creeps me out just the to imagine that, you know, some demon spirit was communicating with them through a game board and then wrote this album. Like, I was actually a little apprehensive to start listening to the album Bedlam and Goliath again, knowing that. Because I was like, well sort of this irrational belief that like, if I played it, bad things would happen. Right. Or like, since you know where it came from, like having that knowledge and then listening to it, does that open yourself up to some sort of like evil? Exactly. Or just, you know, a, just a psychological trick on myself. True. So yeah, as far as like what happened with the band, I mean, they went through, so like with the drummer departing suddenly, like they went through three drummers within like a year. So maybe they were just awful. True. So I mean, it was that. The that's whole, why I couldn't listen to the, that's why I couldn't listen to the album. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, it's not something that you listen to, to like dance to it or like rage you. It's like an art piece. Okay. Uh, However you want to justify it. Well, okay, it. it's not a very good art piece. Um, <laughs> it was widely received as being fairly mediocre. Okay. Um, as far as like the, the bad stuff that happened to them, like sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. Like the whole foot surgery you... thing, I'm like, that could have been an injury that he just never attended to, and it got worse. Right. And then like the flooding, like, well... That sucks, but I'm sure that there's yeah. a, a perfectly reasonable, you know, mechanical explanation for why something like that would happen. So what about all of this stuff about how they like were getting very clear and concise messages from this board? Do you think is that because it sounds like you're calling bullshit on like Ouija boards in general. So I guess I, I'm calling bullshit on this, like it being alleged that they were cursed and like this Goliath demon was causing, you know, bad things to happen to the band. As far as like what it was telling them, that's, I guess it's hard to say. It's, I can only kind of give my opinion and take on it because I, you know, I can't prove one way or another that they were or they were not making this board say something. So, yeah. And then there's always the argument that it's just like a big publicity push, right? Even though yeah. they allegedly were like, we can never speak of this. Um, we're talking about it now and thus giving them publicity. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like it works. So I'm going to, you know, crap on everyone's uh, conspiracy here that the board may have just been a tool to help unlock some creative energy for Cedric, Mr. Bixler Zavala, as he was attempting to write this album. 
So I think, I don't know if it was, could have been like the myth or mystery that surrounded this kind of soothsayer board um, mm-hmm. that helped him tell those kinds of stories or like basically use that to create the larger theme for the album of Bedlam and Goliath. Or if yeah. he was actually talking to a demon. But I think you it know, was, I think it'd be a creative tool. I think that's a very fair assessment. Yeah, and I want like, to give him more credit in the creation true. of that album. <laughs> that terrible yeah, yeah, album. what a what a humble guy. You know? Yeah. He you like, know? writes this whole album and he's like, uh, but I can't take all the credit. Uh, I can't. It was actually the <laughs> devil. Uh. It was this guy I'm seeing. Yeah, great writing <laughs> partner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so despite everything that I just said about, you know, being kind of a, a sucker for the supernatural, mm-hmm. um, I don't know for sure that this is one of those cases because usually you look for a little more, um, I don't know, sensationalism when you hear about people like using Ouija boards and the things that happen after that. The things that happen to them as a result seem like kind of underwhelming and kind of circumstantial. Yeah. Like, oh, this <laughs> so, bad thing happened to uh, me. It's the, it's the Ouija board. No, Stephanie, you're just garbage. That's why it happened to you. <laughs> That's one of our, our most dedicated listeners. Names, <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> and the new segment today oh, is the weird. asshole of the week where we will announce the asshole of the week. <laughs> I am the first recipient uh, of that award. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I it just the evidence to back it up is a little silly to me, but I still think that like it could it could be valid when you play with ancient, you know, evil games. I think that at the very least they could have protected themselves a little bit from all of my like. 12 year old research on the brand new internet (laughs) i like you know determined that you should you know close out the board when you're done so the psa for this week everyone is if you're going to use you probably shouldn't use a ouija board but if you decide to don't talk to strangers whether they're (laughs) humans or they're demons yeah and if you don't like the conversation that you're having you should say bye Exactly. And that includes on a Ouija board, no matter any time, like the idea is that if you're, you're giving, you're giving your permission, like we talked about earlier for a spirit or otherwise to access the physical like realm by using the board. And you're supposed to, after you talk to them, always move the, it's called a planchette, the pointer thing to buy so that, and you're supposed to say something like, we're done here. <laughs> Thank you. We're done Bye. here. And you have been canceled. Um, sachet away. Yeah, and then sachet away. But anyway, I just wanted, I, I want everyone to be safe when they're accessing the supernatural. Yeah. If you find yourself talking to a schizophrenic demon who is passing you some garbage heteronormative love triangle story, Tell him that it is 2019 
he needs to update his story. The world is moving <laughs> past it. Oh, God. Get a Tinder account so you can go meet up with Beezies at concerts. <laughs> exactly. Branch out a little. Uh, yeah, that's what I would do if I were a demon. Just ruin Tinder dates left and right. <laughs> you look different than your profile <laughs> <Yeah>. picture. <laughs> I didn't realize you were an apparition. You have a lot more um, horns than I was expecting. <laughs> That's because I'm a horny, horny bastard spirit. That was I don't. Yeah, I didn't know where to go with that one. Um, God, I'm sorry. All right, um, let's <laughs> let's wrap this up before I get too carried away. Um, next episode, we are addressing the ever relevant conspiracy theory. I really enjoyed that we went into the supernatural this time. That was fun and different. And we're doing a new, a new first thing, new first <laughs> next week, um, uh, where we talk about the anti-vax movement and the conspiracy theory that vaccines are actually terrible for us. I think that we should uh, call them plague enthusiasts. Plague enthusiasts. Yeah. I mean, I, think that's I would love, I think that I'll go and get me some measles um, for field research for the episode. Yeah. And I'm going to go get another flu shot just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get my flu shot this season. All right. We're, we're going to dive into this. All right, I'll judge you for that week, next week. So. Well, guys, thanks for joining us again today for another terrible conspiracy theory. If you feel like you want to go listen to Bedlam and Goliath uh, by the Mars Volta, uh, don't do it. It's not all that great, um, but the story's fun, right, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I would just, yeah, <laughs> despite whether it's dangerous or not, um, it's it's hard to listen to. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> Uh, okay. Don't get eaten by a demon. Yeah. Listen to Avril Lavigne instead. Until next time, friends. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Theory Query is 100% independently produced. If you liked today's episode, please tell your friends. Please follow us on social media and please subscribe to this podcast so we can keep the content coming.